Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Believe and Listen Talk Radio from New York with Carla Blaha, Evidential Medium. Weekly conversations on all things spiritual and metaphysical, discussions, callers, and readings. Cultivate your personal connection to spirit and the universe. Learn that the impossible is actually possible. Hello and welcome to Believe and Listen with your host, Carla Blaha. I'm very excited today to be discussing a topic which I find in this podcast today. And I'm happy to have guest John Noble with me. John runs a remote viewing practice group in New York. He's the author of Natural Remote Viewing. John also facilitates Focal Point, the International Remote Viewing Association online target practice program. He has been instructed by remote viewing pioneers such as Russell Targ, Stephen Swartz, Skip Atwater. He also trained with Paul H. Smith, ex-military remote viewer. Welcome and thank you for joining me, John. How are you? I'm very well, Carla. Thank you very much for inviting me. Well, I'm very excited that we could finally pull this together after um, a long-awaited time. So I'm really excited. I want to say that I met you a number of years ago. I'm guessing about five. I'm not quite sure, but I think it was probably about five. Yeah, I think so. Yep. For reading. I was uh, reading. Yeah. And you handed me your book afterwards. Now, I don't remember my readings. I couldn't tell you who I read, you know, yesterday. I just don't remember them. It's I channel. They go in and out, and that's it. That's how I need to be. But you handed me your natural remote viewing book, A Practical Guide to the Mental Martial Art of Self-Discovery. And I held, actually gave me two copies. And I held that book, and I read it. And in all my moving things around, changing things, moving offices, things like this, I never let go of that book because I knew that one day we were going to have this conversation. And I read the book back then, and then I reread it recently. And, again, a topic that fascinates me, and I'm thrilled that you walked into um, my view of reading five years ago. So now I'm going to be very happy to pick your brain and have you help me and help the audience with what remote viewing is because it really isn't a hocus pocus, you know. It is like they do my mediumship or anything. It's actually a real proven thing, and I'm hoping you can help clarify that for our listeners today. And I'm going to pick your brain. So if you could just help me with a very simple explanation of what remote viewing is in layman's terms, so people have an idea. Oh dear. It's actually quite difficult because there's actually quite a lot to, to remote viewing. Um, in essence, it's another tool that we use to access our psychic abilities. I mean, that's, that's a simple way of putting it. It's just, just another tool. And like any tool, it's got sort of, you know, its, its methods and, and, and ways of using it. <clears throat> but there's a few other distinctions, I think, really around remote viewing. One is like purpose. What what is it? What is its goal? What is it trying to do? And really, it, it was if you you have to sort of to sort of describe what remote viewing is, you you need to sort of think or, or know a little bit about the history. It was actually born in the laboratory, like it was born under experimentation. 
Um, so, you know, it hasn't, you know, it hasn't got a, a long history, although some of the methods and some of the thinking behind it has, has, does have a long history. Actually, remote viewing itself really started in the 70s um, as an experiment. So it's got protocols around it. It's got some sort of rules that need to be uh, uh, met for it to be called remote viewing. Um, and it's also got, I think, you know, and this is what interested me, it's got its own sort of terminology and, and ways of thinking about how our mind processes information. So you, you put all these things together, methods and protocols and its own little crazy little world of terminology and its purpose. And, and that's remote viewing. So there's actually quite a lot to it. It's difficult to sort of sum it, sum it up, but it is really just another tool. It's after specific information. It's got some of its own methods and it's got some, some of its own protocols. I, I think the word purpose is what's striking me here because the purpose is different than when someone goes to somebody for a psychic reading and definitely for mediumship reading, which is connecting to those that have crossed. Remote viewing has a very, very different purpose. And I like the fact that, because I base everything in science in my work, I like the fact that this was based or started from something, as you said, in the laboratory or something that was not looking to really be a woo-woo kind of a thing. It was looking, right, to actually have, at the end of the day, a purpose of great importance. Absolutely. I mean, as you know, it, it's, although it started in a, in, it was actually the first remote, the first remote viewing session was actually, or first sort of experiment to be called remote viewing, was actually performed in in New York, Carla. I don't know if you, really? if you knew that by Ingo Ingo I... Swan uh, in the seventy uh, one, I think it was. But then soon after that, it went to California. It went to uh, uh, the Stanford Research Institute, and it was funded by the CIA initially. And initially it was like, is there anything to this psychic nonsense? Because we hear that the, the Russians are, are spending a lot of money on it. So, yeah, again, it's, its purpose was to sort of prove itself. That's it. That was its first purpose. And it was only after that that they actually started using it sort of operationally to actually find out, you know, what, what was at this Russian site that they couldn't get to. They just had satellite pictures of, you know, what, what's at this particular location? You know, what are the Russians doing? Uh, What's happening to the hostages in uh, Iran, and and so on, right? So, but it, but yes, it's got that sort of history where it's it's very scientific. Do, does it actually work? And then how can we use it? How can we make it better? And also another thing which is interesting, like how, how can we find how can we find people rather than just sort of randomly trying to sort of select people? Is there are there particular traits that people have or, you know, or can, can we test them? Is there anything sort of physically or psychologically different about these sorts of people? So they went through that exercise as well. Now, that's fascinating to me because upon reading your book and then reading other things and studying a few things about that, one <clears throat> thing that I read said that they didn't like to use people like myself that were psychics, this and that, although I believe the woman you just mentioned was a psychic. I think there's some people that are probably very, very good at it. But in general, they're laymen. They're not psychics and mediums who do remote viewing. They're regular people. But I'm sure there must be some kind of common thread that makes somebody a better remote viewer than not. Correct? Yes. You know, during the... During that sort of those those sort of early days under the government funded aspects of it, so this was I guess it's 
to, today it's sort of commonly called the, the Stargate program, although that wasn't really the name yeah. of it. It was um, just the research they were doing at SRI before it went to the military. Um, yeah, they, 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 they tested various people, and, and it was various people in the office sort of thing, as, as well as sort of uh, some well-known psychics, Ingo Swan, uh, Pat mm -hmm. Price was, was some of the early ones. And then just as a, um, a control, because, you know, we're talking about experiments still, let's just get somebody who, you know, doesn't think that they're a psychic and we just bring them in and test them. And they did this with more than one, one person, obviously, but they, they brought in a friend of uh, Russell Targ's, uh, who was one of the researchers, a photographer called Hella Hamid. And she had no sort of psychic experience before, uh, didn't really consider herself a psychic, but was a very good photographer and, and cr a creative uh, and turned out to be actually one of the best remote viewers. So that's that what they ended up saying after sort of, you know, working with various people. And actually, I, I have it in my book. I'll sort of read it out. Um, in contrast to formal testing, however, several years observation of remote viewers by SRI researchers has led to an informal guide based on subjective evaluation of the personality traits of successful viewers. This rule of thumb guide is based on the observation that successful remote viewers tend to be confident, outgoing, adventurous, broadly successful individuals with some artistic bent. So mm. it seems that sort of people that are sort of, you know, interested in form, um, shapes, colors, you know, that sort of creative element as well, you know, they, they tend to, uh, plus along with those other elements, tend to be, you know, good psychics, good remote viewers. In remote viewing, there is such precision, as we talked about in our conversation prior to this, that it, it, it's staggering to me the accuracy because they're targeting actual places and, and i think i gave you an example which i'll share um for the podcast when i was studying psychic detection and they gave us a target they needed us to to find not just the crime but prior to the crime where the location was in a whole world now i don't have the best i realize i probably should have a better grasp but they gave us a number. We focused on it. And I, all I could see was Key West, which is my frame of reference, Florida, the Florida Keys. I used to go there as a child. So I saw Key West, or I heard Key West. I wrote that down. And then I wrote Small Birds. So to just look at that, you would think, wow, it's maybe the places in Key West near a bird sanctuary. You know, <laughs> when, when um, the teacher went through where it really was, I immediately had thought I failed because it was the Canary Islands. And I thought, oh, wow, that's hard. Small birds, how on earth does that match? And it took me a minute or two to realize that my vision of the Canary Islands was Key West and small birds. So I knew that I hit onto something, but for actual psychic detection and or remote viewing, that probably would have had, you know, the FBI going in the wrong direction. I assume one fine-tunes this because this is only snippets that I've done, two or three, five-minute things, and I've done that before the podcast. I have other stories to share. But there must be um, a length of time or some other training that gets people to that precision place, correct? Um, I 
don't know actually about that, Carla. I, I think, I mean, something that was said about remote, remote viewing, basically from when it started, is that it was never really used um, in isolation. You really couldn't depend on somebody re remote viewing something and going, okay, that's it, mm. even if it was the best remote viewer around sort of thing. It would be used with other, other sessions from other people. It would be used with, um, you know, non, you know, psychic information, you know, actually information from the real world and, you know, any other sources. And it would all be put together in one thing. So even though you, that you feel that, okay, your information wasn't useful, again, put together with other information. It's yes. like, okay, well, what are the similarities? I mean, actually, what, what you did, I mean, we could talk about this a little bit. One of the things that remote viewing has is a method of trying to minimize mental noise. You could say that your Florida... Um, your sort of naming of Florida was was actually mental noise. It was it was what your your it was your analytical brain coming in and saying, well, I'm not sure, but the closest thing that I've got is 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 Florida, right? So I'll I'll, I'll write that down. And it's you know not it's sort of good information in a way in that there's, there's a similarity. Um, but I think what happens with remote viewers a lot, including myself, a great deal is we we do go down. We get these things come to us, and they're they're analytical. There are minds working things out, as opposed to um, the the actual psychic information. You know, we we we, we very quickly want to name things, mm. and that's a, a process that you know we, we we just have as humans. We very quickly want to make a decision about things and, and, and label and put them in a box. But that's the, that's the problem. Once they're in a box, it's now very difficult to, to break free of them. But Remote viewing has had some methods for this. The, the 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 classifying of information as AOL. At least you you know what you're saying is well. I recognise this is possibly something from my memory or something from my imagination. I'll label it as such, and then I'll try and set it aside and then move on. And I'll try and get back directly to the to the target itself. Mm. Yeah, I think with more practice, I, I, I now that I've studied it a little more, I, you know, I, there needs to be I need to work on that a little more. But it was exciting to me to see that. Um, two things, you know, everyone talks about the movie Men Who Stare at Goats, correct? Is that the title? Um, <laughs> right. Which right. I, which I then I I've looked at Russell Targ speak about it and other people speak about it. Um, so I obviously it's a movie, but it wasn't. Are they right? There was this group, um, was it SRI from Stanford, that that did practice, and there was what for twenty years the the group that the government funded, as you mentioned. So it, it might be a movie, but it nonetheless wasn't pulled out of thin air, correct? Yeah, um, yeah. There, there, there was a military unit from around about seventy seven. Um, the movie talks about actually a different unit. Um, okay. Well, the, the the movie is a combination of different things. I mean, like I guess like a lot of a lot of Hollywood stuff, they 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 uh, they take a lot of different little bits and they embellish them and and string them out and add add other things that that just didn't happen as as, as well. And I think the 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 movie is very humorous as well. So I think it's mm -hmm. all pretty tongue in cheek. But yes, there was a military unit uh, working out of Fort Meade. Uh, for from at least I think 77 until when the program closed down in 95, and it was separate from the the Stanford Research Institute. Um, 
they were related. Uh, initially, it was set up with the help of SRI, and then there was some connection throughout its life. But basically, the the unit in, in Fort Meade was purely sort of operational, right? They were working on uh, a lot of different targets, and they were given targets by different areas of the, the government as well as uh, as well as the military. So tell me, how did you get into remote viewing? It's not something like mediumship. You just say, oh, I think I'm going to grow up and be a medium. I'm, I'm assuming you didn't think at 10 years old, yeah, I'm going to be a remote viewer. So I'm wondering how you found no, it. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's um, yeah, I just didn't think I was psychic. I thought, well, you know, psychics are special people. Um, there are a certain percentage of the population, and that percentage is very small. Um you know, they're just gifted in, in, in some fashion. I really didn't think that was me. I never, really had never, I, I had no sort of psychic experiences as I was growing up. Uh, although my sister, my elder sister, uh, did have and then practiced and became a, a medium, a platform medium in, in the UK. Now, she's older than me. She used to take me to the spiritualist oh. church. And so I, I saw mm. enough in my early teens that I knew that there was more to life than just physical reality, right? I had really good evidence that there was something else going on. But again, I thought, well, it's not me. You know, my sister can see things and hear things and all the rest of it. But, you know, it's obviously hasn't, hasn't, and I haven't got any of that. So that's, you know, and I, you know, that, 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 that's fine. Um, but I'm open to it and I'm open to this sort of stuff. But I'm actually a lot more logical and a lot more sort of grounded and a lot more, uh, you know, uh, I, I have a very logical job and, and, and that sort of thing. So that that was all fine up until about 15 years ago where I thought I, for some reason I, I started thinking, well, there, there must be more to life than just having a big being very logical about things and having a logical job. So I started reading books about consciousness. And actually, that's one of the reasons why I think I got drawn to. Um, remote viewing because it does use some of what we know about how our minds work. It does use this sort of uh, the, the knowledge of this left brain interpreter thing, which came through the split brain um, research that was done in the 70s uh, and, and, and later, right? So, there's, so um, what's been identified is this split brain interpreter, uh, left brain interpreter, which will really wants to name things for us, right? It really wants to sort of make, make our lives easier by, by naming things. So that plays into this whole uh, uh, analytical overlay, right? Your, 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 your sort of not guess or your, your, um, your interpretation of, of the target as being in Florida, right? That, we could call that, that AOL. So remote viewing sort of you know, talks about this sort of stuff and has a way of trying to sort of minimize it by labeling it. So that's what interested me in this. So I, so I was reading about this program uh, this SRI program, and I thought, well, that's crazy, right? How, wow, the U.S. government spent like $20 million in over 20 years researching psychics. That's interesting, right? And they were actually doing experiments. So now I had something that sort of married my interest and openness to, to psychic abilities along with my sort of logical uh, left brain of, 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 of thinking about things. So now, now I'm interested so I read more about this. I read, read some of Russell Targ's books, and I would recommend them to anybody. He's, uh, he's a great writer. Uh, he's a very interesting chap. He sort of like set this program up with, with Hal Putoff. He had a very interesting life. Um, so I read some of his books, and then um, fortunately, he was giving a workshop at o Omega, 
uh, Rhinebeck um, around about 15 years ago. And I, I went to that. That was a week-long thing, introduction to remote viewing, basically, with, with Stefan Swartz. And it was a fascinating, mm. fascinating week. They went through this, all this history stuff, uh, and, they, and they taught the basics of, uh, of remote viewing. Fifteen years ago, a week at Omega. Wow, and that did it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I would off. do yeah. that now. Yeah. I wish I could do that now. Um, I do many things up there. I, that one I haven't seen, so I guess they haven't done that in a while. No, I, like... I think they only did it for another another year or two. I, I think Russell is quite old now. Uh, he mm-hmm. doesn't teach, so I understand. So I was very lucky to to catch him. I like the I understand your um left brain the marriage of the left brain with this because as we've mentioned with me coming from a family that was based in science I as I've said I base all of my things in science and it makes me more interested when you can actually back it up with something and I can see how that would have grabbed you um because then there's and why would the government spend you know two decades funding something that isn't real or partially real um, I, you know, I actually wanted to share, which I haven't with you yet, one of my experiences when I was doing um, one of the experience, experience, experiments in your book. I wrote down you know, all the junk that came out of my head, which I had mentioned to you talking. Every time I try to remote view and I, used to, and I use any of my psychic senses and I write everything down as if I were reading a client, I am 100% wrong or 95% wrong. Mm. And I find that fascinating because if a person was in front of me, I'd be right. But when I'm trying to target a number and do whatever it is I need to do, but with that line that you show in your book to write down, I put all the junk there. And I did one the other night and I wrote a bunch of stuff from jelly beans to peacocks to, you know, everything was coming in my head. And I kept writing a, a mummy. I kept seeing a mummy, a mummy, a mummy. And then when I went to the other side um, to write, kind of like, um, you know, a rounded thing that went up in the air, like a mountain, if you will. And I wrote mummy. And then I drew a big camera. And all I could see was camera flashing at this big thing. And mm-hmm. what it was is the Giza pyramid. And so oh, wow. what I saw, did I see the pyramid? No, but I saw a mummy. I drew this big mummy and I saw a camera flashing. So what I was doing in my psychic way getting people taking pictures of mummies because that was my left brain's interpretation. And I thought that was fascinating. So I don't know what that means or how I would parlay that into fine-tuning it, but that was just the other night that I wanted to share with you because from my world, in a reading, that would be accurate enough because my client would say, oh, my gosh, I just came back from Egypt. You know, that would work. (laughs) In remote viewing, maybe not, but it's enough to interest me and think, wow, I, I love this. So I, you know, I don't know. It's just something that I'm going to continue to do, and or maybe not. I guess I'll speak to you about it if that's a good idea for someone like me to do that. Um, do you have? We have about five minutes left. Do you have um, any specific story you'd like to share, or, or any important things that people should know about this? I think the the, the biggest impact it had oh, on disgusting. me is the fact that I, um, you know, I wasn't not psychic. You know, I think that now now I now right. I, I I can really say that I think you know everybody is psychic, and this is what the research 
found as well is that basically everybody's on a bell curve and it's the same sort of bell mm -hmm. curve that we get for any any human endeavor um you know playing golf or the violin or playing football or whatever right if, if everyone can sort of throw a ball sort of thing but some people can throw a ball right really really well and and the same with remote viewing I, I think like everybody's got something and and this the fact that I could do something you know means that yes there is there is more to life and the world than our physical reality right it means our consciousnesses have some have some movement or flexibility that we're not confined to our physical bodies. I think this is an amazing thing, and this is why actually I run the meetup group and, and 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 that sort of thing. You know, this is why I'm so interested in it. I just want to give people that message. Yeah, because there's also I don't believe a real set um, time, and it's a little cliche to say that time doesn't exist, but I'm not sure it does in the way we recognize it. So you can kind of float in and out of even I know maybe in a future podcast when we go a little deeper into this. I know that people can remote view in the future and use remote viewing yes. for predicting stock markets. I read a whole thing on that, uh, sporting events. Yep. And, you know, not that I'm suggesting people go out and place bets on things with remote viewing. But if, with there being no time, this is a whole new concept. And, well, not new, but to people who are learning about it, that it really doesn't restrict us anymore. And it's funny that you use the ball because when I teach my classes or when I read or do a platform group, I tell people, you're all psychic. And this is the example I use. Everybody comes into this earth being able to sing. Some people are will be great right. singers. Some people will be mediocre singers and people like me who are tone deaf, but you all can sing. So the fact you used almost the exact example that I use I think it's fascinating because that's absolutely yep. true. Absolutely Great. true. Yep. So tell us a little bit and share with people your website, where you're located, how they can reach you, things like that. Uh, yeah. Well, great, Carla. Thank you. Um, you mentioned the book, Natural Remote Viewing. That is actually the uh, URL of my website. If people go to naturalremoteviewing.com, uh, they will find some information about the book and some practice targets, and also they can contact me through through that. I'm sure my email is on on that. Um, yeah, that's I think really the only site that I have. My meetup group is run. If you're in New York, um, I run the meetup group around about once a month. It's normally in Manhattan. Uh, that's on meetup.com, and then once you're on meetup.com, you just search for remote viewing or psychic or something like that, and you should come across. Uh, it's called the Remote Viewing Practice Group NYC. Um, and yeah, happy for any any level. It's the the idea is it's an open, friendly uh, group. We just practice and discuss and talk about remote viewing. Uh, all levels accepted. Um, it's just a, 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 a social thing. It's a practice thing. So. You know, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to think you're not good enough. Uh, everybody is good enough. Um, whereabouts in Manhattan is the meetup group, or does the location change monthly? Uh, it doesn't change monthly, although it does does change a little. Um, we're normally in Midtown or mm -hmm. um, or on the Bowery. Found a place okay. on the Bowery. I would. I think I'd, I'm in Manhattan. I mean, weekly practically. I've was there this weekend and I'll be in this week. So I would think I would like to come in one uh, a time and give it a try with you. So I, I will myself look that up. Great. And um, again, I 
think there's so much to this topic that because I'm such a novice at it and so much more that people would be interested in hearing about. Um, I'm hoping to you and I to set up a second podcast to maybe go deeper into it and brainstorm some questions that people would like to hear. Terrific. So I'm hoping you're open. To to, I'm hoping you're willing to do that. And oh, it's cool. been my it's been my pleasure to finally be able to do this with you. And thank you for handing me that book um, five or so <laughs> years ago because I'm staring at it right now and I, I never let that go. <laughs> Great. <laughs> So I'm going to want to give a little outro. Thank you so much. And for those of you listening, you can reach me at carlablaha.com, Facebook Evidential Medium, and you can find my podcast on iTunes or here on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to doing this. Thank you for listening to Believe and Listen with Carla Blaha. You can find Carla at CarlaBlaha.com. To increase your personal sixth sense, Carla's book, Get Our Vibe Back, is available on Amazon Kindle. Tune in next week for more things metaphysical.